0: It's Monday, April 27th, we're studying 2 Peter. We've gotten to chapter two, which is the beginning of the warning section. We're in actually verse two of chapter two, after that first chapter that set us up to understand what it is to grow and to exert the effort to add to our faith, which saves us, and now we're growing in our sanctification. All of that is based on and directed by God's word, which is a sure and reliable word. We studied that at the end of the first chapter, and that's how the first chapter ended here, reminding us in verse 21, no prophecy ever produced by the will of man, but by God. Um, spoke. Uh, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, this is our verse last time we were together, false prophets, but there's contrasting conjunction, very important, but... False prophets also arose among the people. That was certainly in the Old Testament. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. Made that clear. This is a, in quotation marks here. Certainly that's the appearance that they have, uh, at least at the beginning, bringing on themselves strict, swift destruction. Now, before we get to that destruction, we talked about we're going to deal with that later in this passage. Here is our verse for today in verse number two, and it's very short, but I want you to to note what it says, and it's very helpful for us as we think through the problem that existed then and exists today. Uh, And many, sadly many, will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be blasphemed. So lots to look at here in this very short verse. I just want to deal with this many for a second. There will be many who follow uh, their sensuality and end up blaspheming the way of truth or having people blaspheme the way of truth, uh, many. Just take a look at this statement, the last hour, this last segment before the coming of the kingdom that we're in now, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, uh, and now, just that word, many Antichrists have come. Uh, therefore, we know it's the last hour. We're in this period of time when Jesus said you're going to have a lot of false Christs, false prophets, false teachers coming. And just note that many, if we think that we're somehow going to get through this period of history between the first coming and the second coming without a lot of anti Christian things that are done in the name of Christ and religion, because Got to know, I guess. Thinking about this word "antichrist" here, uh, this antichrist that's revealed to us, this man of lawlessness, is a religious figure. Uh, religion is what is the basis of what he promotes, uh, and how he promotes ends up promoting himself, uh, and it's all done in a package in a wrapping that is religious. So, for us to think about the idea of uh, antichrist, we think about those who are against Christ. We think of the secularist or the, you know, the kind of the uh, Angry atheists of our day, but that is not uh, what we're dealing with in our passage. We're dealing with the false teachers that were like the false prophets that grew up, as we saw Paul warn, within the church itself. People with Bibles in their hands, in our cases, people with Christian t shirts on, you know, people that uh, talk about the Bible and God and the Spirit and all those kinds of things. So we need to know that the Bible just says that there will be many, and they're really not working for God, even though they look like it. They're uh, wolves that are in lamb's clothing, they look like sheep. But it's not the case. Many. And I just, I, I guess I want to say that because if you turn the radio dial and listen to Christian radio, or you turn on a Christian television set, or you go to a Christian bookstore and you see Christian books, and you think, especially if you're a new Christian, oh, good, this is the category. I'm now a Christian. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not a Hindu. I'm not a Muslim. Uh, you think, well, oh, here. this is a safe space. It's not. It never is. Uh, without making us hypercritical or hyperjudgmental, man, how important is it for us to know many will follow? Their sensualities, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. The problem of false teachers—it's uh, going to be ubiquitous. It's going to be everywhere under the banner and umbrella of Christianity. So you have to choose your Christian books carefully. You have to choose your Christian radio stations and radio programs carefully. You gotta choose your Christian music carefully. You've gotta choose uh, everything that carries the name of Christianity. We gotta sort through a little bit more discerningly than many of us are prone to do, especially new Christians I think so often just, hey, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, you wrote a Christian book, that's fabulous. Uh, So anyway, I just wanna make a point of this. Many, there will be many, that unfortunately look good on the surface, but uh, once the fruit of their way is um, surfaced, as it's born, uh, as it comes to uh, fruition, people will see. This is what uh, Peter here is warning us about. Also, John. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about this a little bit. Follow their sensuality. That's a weird way to put it. Sensuality. The. Um, verse I quoted yesterday from Micah. Micah chapter 3 is a good example of what drives so much of the false teaching, uh, whether it's Christian authors or Christian speakers, Christian pastors, quote-unquote Christian pastors or um, Christian musicians, whatever it might be. Um, And he speaks about these people, the Lord does, concerning the prophets here through Micah, and actually they're leading people astray. They do it in a very subtle way. It's a very... um, surreptitious. It's a very uh, imperceptible way, it seems at first at least. That's why we need the warnings. And they cry peace, and everyone loves to hear that, God and peace, God and happiness, God and joy, God and all the good stuff. Uh, And they're ready to give you that, at least in the Old Testament here as they approach the uh, destruction of Jerusalem, when they have something to eat, when someone who's wanting them to speak gives them money. Matter of fact, that Didache, which is one of the early, uh, one of the earliest uh, extra-biblical writings, Didache means the teaching of the twelve. And the 12 apostles, they summarize a lot of the teaching of the apostles, the early church, the methods and things in the early church. There's so much interesting material in the Didache. But one of the things they said about when the, someone comes and they want to teach you the Bible, they want to teach you the way of Christ, and they're out there asking for money to do it, right? They want to charge you for it. Uh, he says, you ought to know they're false teachers. I mean, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't give an honorarium to a guest speaker. It doesn't mean that uh, we don't buy a Christian book. Uh, but we got to recognize the money that's driving so much of what goes on in the name of Christ, uh, that is a sign oftentimes of what we see in our passage here, the sensuality. They want things to um, Make their lives better, right? And you see it, some of the most notorious false teachers of our day, they're flying around on Lear jets and they're wearing, you know, $10,000 suits and, uh, you know, they have all the luxuries of all the things that the world offers because, as this text reminds us, they just want to fill their pockets or their mouths with the satisfaction of material gain through their you know, job as a quote-unquote prophet or a teacher in our case. Um, But they'll declare war. They're certainly not interested in giving you good words uh, if you put nothing in their mouth, if you don't pay them right. And unfortunately, that is one indicator. The didache is certainly not canonical, nor is it God-breathed, you know, and it may be overstated in that case. I've had people here, I've asked to speak. Uh, come teach us and they said well this is what it's going to cost doesn't mean immediately you're a false teacher but I can tell you that 99% of the people that I asked to come and speak never ask anything about money I'm asked to speak in places I'm never going to say well what you know here's my my charge and again there are exceptions to that and guys you know whatever I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I just think money cannot be driving it. Uh, things that are going to make my life easier. Uh, Christianity and ministry and teaching in particular is not about uh, what I can get out of it materially, because that's the picture here, sensuality. So we dealt with that in um, yesterday. We looked at that passage, but I wanted to reiterate that, because I hear that, by the way, this passage, Micah 3, rarely quoted. Uh, Jude, uh, talking about the same problem that 2 Peter is talking about, uh, just adds an interesting word in describing the false teachers. It says, Woe to them, which is a statement of, you know, this is bad. This is bad. God is going to judge them, which is the same theme in 2 Peter 2. It says, They walked in the way of Cain. That's one thing. We're not going we'll to talk about that right now. Uh, and they've abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. error And Korah's rebellion. So there's a couple things here we're not going to deal with. Um, but just by way of cross-referencing this idea of sensuality, Balaam's error, remember the Old Testament story in Numbers of him being hired by Balak to curse uh, Israel, right? And again, you put something in his mouth, put something in his pocket, make sure he can you know, add on to his house or whatever it might be. Uh, for the sake of his teaching, he, he's going to do it. Now he's reluctant and conflicted. That's the story. But here's the idea for the sake of gain. No one should be in ministry for the sake of gain. No one should be into any kind of teaching for the sake of money. Money should not drive it. It's the root of all kinds of evil, as uh, t- Paul told Timothy in, in Ephesus, which, as a Roman colony, was pretty well off. Anyway, so sensuality—that's the driving m- matter here. Uh, before we get to this last phrase, because of the, uh, the way of, because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. I just want to deal with the word blaspheme. Uh, because once we deal with the word blasphemed or blasphemy, people immediately say, wow, I, I've heard about that in passages like Mark chapter three, and that's like a big, big deal. Well, it is a big, big deal, but there are two kinds of blasphemy, and we should never forget that. Uh, two kinds of blasphemy, and and let me just show you, let's start here in verse 28. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, that means all sorts of sins, the children of man, right? the people of the world, we're going to commit all kinds of sins that fall short of the glory of God or transgress His law. Uh, whatever blasphemies they utter. So there's lots of blasphemies that they might say, and they're going to be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes, look at this now, against the Holy Spirit, right, never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. And, and, if you want to understand what that means, you've got to get this right here. What does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? For they were saying, he, that is Christ, we're going to look at that here, has an unclean spirit. So I know there's two kinds of blasphemy. There's a blasphemy here for these people, that these people were saying he has an unclean spirit. And look, let's now let's understand what he said here, um, what they were saying here. It says the scribes, who, by the way, a lot of light, a lot of knowledge, a lot of information. They are professional you know, scholars. They're the seminary professors of the day. Uh, they came down from Jerusalem and they were saying, he, that's Christ of course in the context, is possessed by Beelzebul. Beelzebul, the, 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 the lord of the flies, the, the, the king of the demons, the worst of the worst. He's, he's, he's Satan and it's by the prince Of demons that's satan right that he cast out demons because that was the miracle that they were watching and they were like wow that's got to be some kind of power well they were saying it's the power of satan and he called them to him and said in parables how can satan cast out satan and he goes on talking about kingdom divided against itself and then it gets down to the idea here is there's lots of blasphemies but then there's this blasphemy the blasphemy against ultimate light and that's the picture so often in scripture is the Problem of not being, not being held responsible or having consequences when you have ultimate light. Now, there is a temporal example of this in Numbers chapter 14. Uh, the promised land they forsook because they didn't believe God's command, and the spies came back. Tin said, it's too hard, and so they didn't go. Well, the Lord says, and they said they were sorry. He says, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, as all the earth is filled with the glory of God, none of the men who have seen my glory, right? They watched his miracles there in uh, Pharaoh's court. They watched the, the plagues, the 10 plagues of Exodus and my signs. These are the miraculous things, just like Jesus was doing miracles in front of those scribes that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test in these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice. Uh, None of them shall see the land that I swore to their fathers. None of those who despise me shall see it. This is the picture of light, how much light you have, how much consequence you get. And blasphemy, there's two categories, is the blasphemy of ultimate blasphemy against the light that you see in the case of this text, Mark 3. They watched Jesus do miracles and they said, that's Satan. I don't think that's a replicatable kind of sin. Where you're going to say, Well, I think maybe I've committed this sin and I never have forgiveness. No, I think in our passage here, the blasphemy of our text, uh, this is a blasphemy in our text that we're talking about people blaspheming. Doesn't mean they're not sinners and false teachers and going to hell. That may be true. But you and I, when we think about blasphemy, need to understand that the blasphemy dealt with in this passage is the blasphemy of people blaspheming. Christians and the church because of the false teachers uh, and, and just to modernize it, flying around, maybe the false teachers in their jets, and, you know, being the kinds of people that are all into it for their own sensuality, their own personal fleshly pleasures. Um, people blaspheming the church because of false teachers are not going to hell in an unforgiven sin. They can be forgiven, but that's the problem. And let's look at the text here. Because of these false teachers and how they live and what they do, it says, the way of truth is blaspheme. Blasphemy is a transliterated word. The Greek word is blasphemy. Uh, that's how we say it in English. Uh, that blasphemy, to take something that is sacred and to talk about it like it's not. To take something that is holy and talk about it in a a slanderous, pejorative, downplaying way. That's blasphemy, that's what blasphemy means. It means to defame, to slander, to deride, to denounce something that is sacred. And people will do that about the church. The church is the body of Christ, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And people will blaspheme it because these false teachers are all about their sensuality. Um, And the Bible says, there's going to be a lot of that. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, the end days, and so we get closer to the return of Christ, a lot of people de- departing from the faith, the community of believers, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through, here's the word in Greek, hypocrisy, Translated here, insincerity, the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences is seared. There's a lot of people out there. They're hypocrites. They're lying. They're the false teachers that are talked about in our passage. And because of them, the way of truth is blasphemed. Important for us to know that, to recognize the cost of false teachers in the world, what do we do about it? Well, we don't give them our money. We don't buy their books. We don't listen to their music. And we don't, uh, we're not the kinds of Christians who are in any way going to uh, just look the other way and think if you wear the Christian t shirt, you must be on our team. So be careful when it comes to looking at the modern false teachers to realize, and in our text here, to have that sense of um, what they're like. And we'll get more into that in our next verse and uh, we're going to see more and more how we can distinguish this and be careful not to ever aid it or abet it in any way, promote it. We don't want to do that. So, so much to say here in such a short verse. I thought I'd have more time. We're out of time, but be sure to subscribe. I always love it when you comment. It's good to hear from you, and we'll be back tomorrow with more in 2 Peter.